Hey, ski racing fans, and welcome to the American Downhillers podcast presented by SkiRacing.com, where we will share our thoughts and stories on the legendary World Cup downhills that will be run all winter long. I'm Doug Lewis, two-time Olympian and downhill bronze medalist from 1985. Yeah, that was in the 1900s in Bormio, Italy. Joining me are three of the most celebrated downhillers in our U.S. downhillers history. Let's start off with AJ Kipp, a four-time Olympian, a World Cup winner, multiple World Cup winner in my mind, and also a World Championship bronze medalist. AJ, where are you coming from? And very quickly, what's your favorite part about downhill? Yeah, hey, good morning, and uh, high ski racing fans. I'm sitting at home in Hood River. Uh, we haven't really gotten winter started here yet, but we're, we're looking forward to it, and I'm excited for the start of the World Cup season. And, um, you know, my... My thing about downhill, my favorite thing about the sport of downhill is just the variety and the creativity that you've got to bring to the sport. Every course is a mystery that has to be figured out. And, and it changes from, from year to year, but also as you, you know, have a longer career, you definitely bring things from, from one year to the next and you learn the nuances of each course and every one of them is totally different. So it's really a, a lot of fun to, uh, to be a downhiller and to just figure out the mystery of every course. Definitely a puzzle to be figured out. Next up, D-Money, Darren Rawls, three-time Olympian, world champion, winner of 12 World Cup downhills, including a Super G and a downhill at the legendary Kitzbühel. Darren, where are you? It looks like you're on top of the moon. Where are you? And I'm going <laughs> to limit you to three words. Describe Kitzbühel in three words. Hey, uh, what's up, Lou? Good morning, guys. Uh, AJ and Marco. Yeah, I'm in, uh, I'm in Mammoth. Just rolled down here last night. Um, we're gonna go ski Mammoth today, just for the day um, with Team Palisades. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's dark. It's dark. <laughs> and, and the guns are blazing. They're trying to make snow. It's pretty dry out right now, but I guess conditions are pretty good. Looking forward to it. Um, Kitzbühel, yeah, uh, definitely. I'd say just the will to go fast. Got to have the will to go fast there. All right. That's too many words, but that <laughs> describes Kitzbühel for sure. Sitting in that starting gate, which we'll talk about a lot. You have to have the will. Lastly, our youngest speed demon and founder of American Downhillers, Marco Sullivan, four-time Olympian, World Cup winner, and holds the record for most downhill starts ever for an American and 105 times thrown himself down the mountain. Marco, where are you and why are you there? Well, thanks for calling me young, Lou, because I'm up in Lake Louise and I'm looking at all these actual young racers and not feeling so young anymore. <laughs> but um, I'm in Lake Louise. I'm helping out some of the forerunners this week. Uh, we've got four American boys up here who took on forerunning duties and uh, they're learning the track and kind of hoping to get it dialed in before they race the Norams here in a couple of weeks. So I'm here, um, get to hang with the World Cup crew again and see what's going on. And it's pretty fun. Well, we're going to ask you what it's like up there on the hill uh, as we get to our, maybe our predictions of what's going to happen this weekend. Anyway, during the next 30 minutes, we'll break down Lake Louise, share our thoughts, a little bit of the history and give you our picks on who's going to ski away with the trophy this weekend. All right, question number one. This is for everyone. I'm gonna start with Sully. Overall thoughts on Lake Louise. What do you think of when I say Lake Louise downhill? Sully, you've had two podiums there. Describe this course and maybe why you liked it. 
it yeah lake louise i feel like it always gets described as a good start to the world cup season because it's not the gnarliest course it's pretty mellow as far as the hill goes um but this year they've added a bunch of terrain trying to kind of spice it up a little bit almost valgarde-esque where they're kind of you rolling and jumping the whole way um it still is is very doable for all these guys um the first training run yesterday saw the racers saying you know there is a couple new elements um but the snow is gen generally grippy they put a little water in the snow uh so it's gets a little slick in places but generally nice easy grippy snow and a lot of tucking a lot of just high speed downhill turns and uh it's a, a great one to to start the season and i think that's why i always enjoyed it too because i've been here a lot racing norams as a kid and it was a place where you feel comfortable there's no super big risk like a kid spiel or anything um it's just a good place to start the year yeah definitely match your style and we'll talk about that a little bit now going over to darren your best ever there was a fourth i believe your thoughts was it just not gnarly enough for you or is it a puzzle you haven't figured out talk to talk to us about lake louise for you yeah Lou, well, i'd say lake louise is really challenging the in the fact to try and you know find a way to separate yourself from the pack and um for me i needed to have really technical terrain um to do that there's a lot of gliding there but um what people overlook is i mean it's it is technical there's some really tough turns i mean co coming to coach's corner fishnet and the fall away then exiting on the the bottom flats and um that to me was was uh, a place I had to really focus on to be to get the most out of what I, my skills were. But then everywhere else, you know, it's like aerodynamics, skiing clean, um, looking way ahead so you can just really trim the line down and and um, and um, execute it well. And like Marco said, it was the the best starting race we could have for a World Cup because um, you know you lead up through the year with more challenging races. Um, but it's a wake up call because you have the next week going to birds of prey and that that's a serious one for sure with some big errors, but I think it's, it's a great downhill. Um, I've been all over the map there with like results, not on the podium, but, um, my last year was a tough year because I was thinking, okay, I just need to be top five, which I was, you know, the year before and I got 32nd, you know, I just completely blew it. And, um, cause I was taking too much risk and blowing some big turns, you know, where I shouldn't have. So you gotta, you can't push too hard there. Yeah. Talk about every, a lot of people say trimming the line. We may know what it like, uh, means talk about trimming the line. What exactly does that mean? Well, trimming the line is just trying to like, if you, we, we say pull the string tight, you know, if you have like a rope, you know, like through the, the course and it's a little loose and kind of loopy, you just pull it, you know, tight and you're trying to basically, um, cut down the distance you're skiing. And, um, you know, just that ultimately, if you do it in the right place, you know, you, you can make up speed. And so yes. it's really trying to work with gravity as much as possible. Bleed turns out, you know, let it run out just enough where you're not fighting against the, the uh, you know, the, the fall line, the terrain too much. But really trying to chip off like uh, just little sections where you can get away with, you know, run a tighter line than, than everybody else. Nice. Let's move to AJ, the old man, except for me. Yeah. Uh, I think you ran this back in 1991. Was it different then as far as course conditions? What were your thoughts back then when you ran it? 
I mean, they've, they, you know, they've definitely added terrain. I think the course is more or less the same now, you know, responding to a little bit to what Darren's talking about with trim and line. I mean, you know, that's obviously what we all do in a ski race, whether it's a slalom, you know, or downhill, you're always trying to take the straightest, fastest line you can, but Lake Louise is one of those places where it just doesn't pay off a lot of times to trim that line. I mean, and, and, you know, you also have to kind of limit your risk as well. Like Darren said, you know, you get too aggressive at that place and, and try to dive in on a line and you, you start to blow some speed. And I mean, the, the, the key to that course is not making mistakes. And it's about carrying as much speed as you possibly can through the gun barrel, you know, out of that whole upper steep section onto those lower flats and then letting them roll. And then you hope your serviceman waxes the skis well and you've got the fastest pair of boards you can. But I mean, taking the risk with line at, at, Lake, at a place like Lake Louise, there's a few other courses on the circuit that are, are similar, but sometimes it doesn't pay off. You got to be really, really careful with it. Yeah, it is the first. Let's talk about a little bit having this as the first. Uh, you know, if you compare Lake Louise to a Kitzbühel, Vengen, Birds of Prey, it may not rank up there for excitement, for terrain, for difficulty, but it does work for the first um, downhill of the year. Uh, Marco, the um, almost all the athletes in the world were either at Nakiska or at Copper. Does does training at Copper for those two weeks before Lake Louise help or hurt? And describe that transition. What can they take from training at Copper to Lake Louise? Yeah, I feel like even though Lake Louise is described as the mellower course, it's still a big step up from any kind of training that you're doing. You know, to get on a World Cup track with a lot of terrain, high speeds, it's still a wake-up call, no matter if it's Lake Louise or or anything else. You know, I was actually riding up the lift yesterday with a young Austrian kid, first time at Lake Louise, and he was like, yeah, everyone always told me this was really, really an easy track, but I don't know. Like, I'm pretty nervous. And he was going up for his run. And, uh, you know, regardless, if you're hopping into a World Cup downhill, it's going to be a step up from any training you've done in the summer. And there is a you know a great training venue at Copper, and these guys have been able to run long downhill courses, get the, the legs working, the lungs working, but it's still more or less just like gliding practice, and you know, it's practice for the big show. And and Lake Louise is the start of the big show, so I think the nerves are are happening. And as the week progresses, this track traditionally gets like a little icier, a little bumpier, and by race day, it's game on for sure. Darren, you were just at Copper. Uh, describe what you were doing there. But, you know, when you were uh, training at Copper and then going to Lake Louise, what did you add to your training mentally and physically to try to up the effort to get you ready for Lake Louise? Yeah, uh, well, Copper was, uh, you know, it was actually really good training for those guys. I mean, it was a basically a World Cup field there besides like no Canadian Swiss, but everybody else. And, uh, you know, these guys were firing. I've seen in the past, though, from our, our American guys are faster in copper. They're not translating it over to Lake Louise. And, um, you know, just to me, it's a little bit of a surprise because the snow is pretty similar. It's dry, it's compact and all that. You know, they get into some, you know, good jumps and, and the bottom section. And there's some, like, high speed and some micro terrain where, you know, the skis are, are you know, legs and skis are doing the work, trying to stay smooth and on, on uh, good, good snow contact. But. Um, I think for some it does, you know, I think those guys are fast at copper and just didn't like bring it to Lake Louise. It's more of a mental kind of race day thing, but you'll see, 
I mean, Kilday was really fast there. Johan Clary was really fast in training. Um, RCS and um, you know, I think those guys are going to kind of translate over, you know, to, to um, you know, being fast in Lake Louise as well. Um, for yeah, races, the compound on that, what you're saying, like yeah. Max Max Franz won the first training yesterday, and I was talking to Travis Ganon came up. He said, "How Max Franz was three seconds out every day we were training in Copper, and how did he just pull that out of the hat?" You know. So like, like you're saying, it's some guys that translates and some guys, it's just like, I don't know, copper doesn't mean a ton, but it is awesome that they were all training together last week. So yeah, I think they, you're just there. They're trying to get a good feel, right? You know, like, yeah. and that's one thing I tried to pick up on, learn from Marco was a good feel for the snow and just having good touch. And that really makes a big difference. And in, in like Louise, you got to like pipe some turns for sure, but you got to be really like silky smooth in those places. That's why he had a lot of success there in Lake Louise, but, um, you know, it's just, I mean, it's just being a gamer game day, you know, you yeah, one, I was going to, I was going to say that, I mean, you know, it, training one training round number one has got no consequences, basically, especially the first training round of the season, everyone's just going out there to get their legs, you know, going and it's like, okay, here's the first one. Let's just get this out of the way. No pressure, no expectations. And, and suddenly like the guys at the top are people that you don't expect. And someone that's like in the thirties or forties is like, this doesn't make any sense, but man, I'll tell you what, wait till today, wait till tomorrow. Let's see then when the pressure comes, when people start to really focus in on what their tasks are, I think things are going to change. I mean, I, you know, looking at that training and result of yesterday, definitely some surprises at the top and down further, but I know that that's going to flip around as we get through this week. Yeah. Well, look at the past history. Sorry, Lou, um, real quick, but yeah. Max Franz has been really fast there. I think he's won in Lake yep. Louise, right? Yep. He's won up there. Yeah. Um, Bayette Foyts is a guy that like not even close in training and always steps up. So always he's a, a racehorse for sure, you know, coming to the plate when when it matters. So let's let's take that a little step further. Uh AJ, how did you um go into training runs? Was it all out one, two, three, or were you a Bayot Foyts guy just hanging out, checking it out? How did you deal? What what did the what what tool was the training runs for you? So my approach to training runs, I, I, I'm a firm believer that your, your fastest run down the track is going to be your second or third run. Because after that, I think there's just some attrition and your focus. And I think that, you know, there's always a little bit of magic there when you're still taking a risk. And, and a lot of times that magic happens in the second or third run. So I was always trying to make my first run a feel it out run like 85%. And then my second or third run, I was really trying to peak right in there. So I didn't, you know, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to give away too much or, 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 you know, or, or, you know, have my best run in a training run. I wanted to try to save it for race day. So there's a little bit of an approach there. And sometimes there's a little bit of, you know, a little bit of uh, gamesmanship standing up a couple of gates before the finish line um, uh, in a training run. And honestly, a lot of people think that, that you're, that you're trying to game your competitors. For me, it was, I was leaving some in the tank for myself. You know, I always wanted to know that my best run was going to come on race day, whether that was just because it was the magic or because I was going to tuck it all the way to the finish line. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, there's a little bit of there's a little bit of a, a strategy there for sure. Take that, Darren, and translate it to Kitzbühel versus Lake Louise training runs. Is there a difference for you training run at Kitzbühel, training run at Lake Louise and why? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I would say the same thing with AJ was saying, like maybe like. 80, 85% of effort, you know, to go into, um, you know, the first train run in Kitsville. 
just because of consequences, you want to be super solid and you're trying to just hit your timing, the line, but you know, come into the last train run, I was trying to go pretty much full speed. And then still, I feel like I had a little more, you know, just, I mean, just that mental side, you know, I mean, I'd throw on black socks, black, long underwear, black <laughs> shirt under my suit. Because, I mean, that was, that was, that was how was it going to get a little harder that day, you know, mentally and fired up for races, but I wouldn't wear that same setup, you know, um, for, for train runs. It was just like, okay, there's a little something extra, maybe just a little bit in the mind that's coming, you know, coming, you know, together a little, little uh, more complete for race day, but I st you still need to have a good feel. I, I share the same tech. This is a good story with AJ. Um, back when I was on Rosie and Eddie uh, Wahlberger, and he put me on the slowest skis for training runs. I'd be like six seconds out. And then he put me on these rocket ships. And I'd be like a second and a half out on, on the race, but I'd be making mistakes, blowing the sections, like way too much speed. And I, I, I had a trouble, you know, like I had a lot of arguments with him. Like, Hey, like, when are you going to trust me to be on fast skis for training? I need this comparison for you know for race day and i think that's kind of what made me really kind of like the end of my career push to try and be to match like almost that race speed on on last training run uh sully i want to take it one step further on training runs besides you figuring out the line or whatever what's going on testing skis uh how much communication between racers are going on but talk about the skis and then how you work with your other teammates on training runs I, yeah, the ski component is a big one. Like, you know, walking down in the wax cabins here at Lake Louise, there's each tech who takes care of maybe one or two racers has 15 pairs of skis on the wall, you know? So they're they, probably five of those are potential race skis and they got to figure that out. So in these couple training runs, they're testing, they're um, seeing what what's going to go. So that's a big component. And they're breaking down the split timers seeing the flat sections the steep sections where where are the guys fast where are the skis running um and one i was thinking about what aj said one kind of pro tip when you're looking at split times from a training run that last split you'll see you know guys will go from like fifth place down to 52nd you know because just if you watch the race in person a lot of guys are kind of throwing in some turns throwing it sideways not really giving away what they have on the, on the training days. So when you look on the fifth site and pull up those splits, you can see the last one and it kind of shows you what's going on. Or the other way around, you know, some guys are, are hacking and just like, they need to have that extra, you know, uh, confidence. Yeah. So they're getting they're in the low tuck all the way to the, goal, like all the, way to the finish line to try totally. and make it some speed. And they're like, yes, like in the top 15 or something, you know, it's those are the guys that are qualifying for their exactly, yeah. spots. So there, there's some of that going on up there too. I bet with a lot of the teams. Yeah. yeah that's mentioned qualifying, um, talking to this young Austrian racer yesterday, he's has to qualify. He, sorry. He was Swiss, but he has to qualify for a spot. They have, um six guys racing for four spots mm -hmm. and um, with the bigger countries or the countries that field a bigger team that there's a lot of that going on and they qualify actually on the second training run um because they want the third training run if they get a third to be where the guys can kind of relax and and figure out that final race day line but the second training run which is today will be qualifying for those bigger switzerland Austria, um, maybe the Norwegians, they'll have guys who are going full race pace trying to get a, a spot in the in the Saturday race. 
I was going to say my, some of my favorite races were when we'd have, you know, two or three training runs scheduled on, on the schedule. And then all of a sudden weather comes in and they cancel the last one. And I mean, a lot of guys go out, like our approach with taking it easy on the first run. And then you're like, wait a minute, I don't get a second training run. What do I do on race day? Well, that's when it's time to like, you know, pull it out of your pocket and fire. And frankly, you know, from my theory of your best run being second or third, I worked out great for me. I love that. And I mean, it throws a little bit of a wrench in, in the works for those nations that have to qualify in but but um you know that's another that's just another part of, the, of what makes downhill great and, and i think uh, at lake louise when you don't have that race pace of the last two months uh you need those training runs and they become even more important for ski testing for uh mental preparation and to find that race speed that you haven't really had in nine months all right let's break down this course all right this course as we said may be on the quote-unquote easier side but it's a great one to start with and has some really tough uh demanding spots darren uh let's talk about your probably favorite favorite part fishnet fall away onto gun barrel probably the fastest most dangerous part take us through it what it looks like what it feels like and what you were focused on when you ran it yeah lou um so i mean coming into that you have a jump which is kind of fun you know so i mean it's like you come out the flats high speed downhill turns catch some air and then um you're, you're trying to like really kind of like find that entry point you know and then just like once you commit, you got to commit and going on the edge and even like on that left foot or there, a fishnet, it was pretty important to like, I mean, I was focusing more on the exit than anything. And so depending on how you're coming in, sometimes you'd be really trying to be as really clean as you could, or other times you had to be a little kind of like soft on that outside ski just to kind of get that depth in that direction. And so like I was saying before about trimming line, I'd be trying to come in there a little tighter and almost like just, you know, peel or just like, drift the top of the turn a little bit to get that like that uh direction with the skis and then when you get on you gotta get on it and it's like a quick left right foot and then the, the, the like i said about the exit it's really important to um to get that right footer established like before you go down on the pitch because you don't get dragged too wide and that right there is so important because that right left onto the onto the flats is uh you gotta carry so much speed you know to try and that's you're maintaining speed from there to the finish pretty much. Yeah. And uh, you can't really gain any more speed from there down. So to me, that was like, find a good flow, look ahead, really try and like be, you know, just strong in the skis. And, and um, my thought too is, is like, I always tell like, uh, you know, ski racers, like I want to try and help. <laughs> it's don't think about skiing through your feet, ski to try and get in the next turn. And so just that mindset of just trying to get in the next turn, you're hunting that the next like a uh, piece of terrain down the next turn that makes your body move a little differently. And that's why I was really focusing on that section too. I didn't want to just ski these turns. I want to try and get it from one turn into the next as quick as possible. And, and I think that really helps kind of uh, that train of thought helps you to go faster. Any follow-up AJ and Marco about well, those two turns? Yeah. Darren's comment about flow is, is money on that. I mean, really the, 99% of that course is about flow. You know, the upper part, the middle part, the Wee flats, all that terrain, the only part that's not flow and it's just, just pure, just aggression is, is fishnet turning it. And you're right. I mean, you, you know, you're, you got grippy, you know, snow and you got all this flow and everything's easy. And all of a sudden you come into fishnet and it's just, it's bumpy and gnarly and they ice the hell out of it the day before, you know, and it's, it's just a totally different turn in the course and everything else is, is like, it's different feel, it's different snow, it's different terrain. 
and you're right. I mean, you just have to, you just have to fight your way through that turn and not dump speed. And, and that's the key. For me, everything else was flow. I think that's a great word for the for the 80% of this course that isn't fishnet follow away. It's flow, it's feel, it's reacting. But there for me, I skied a lot like Darren. I was the aggression one. That was just visualization. I would go over that that switch to the that right footer so much in my mind. Because if you are a millisecond late, you're down the fall line, right? You yeah, have to have that yeah. timing. So that for me was two sections of course. AJ, take it a little further with the terrain, right? There's, as Marco said, they're putting in a lot of terrain. What does it mean to flow and feel that terrain? And do you need to be on a specific line in parts of this course? No, I think the, I think the line part of it is a little bit of you take what you're given, you know, you, you definitely have a line that you've inspected and you're trying to execute, but it doesn't always work out. And, and if you fight that fact and try to get back on that line or stay right on it, you're, you're going to be scrubbing some speed. So you take what you get. You got to be really, really clean on the edge because it isn't very steep. You don't have a lot of opportunity to, to, you know, reaccelerate if you lose a little bit of speed. Um, and then it's just a lot of leg action. I mean, you're trying to just always follow the terrain and just be really, really supple and, and, and have a lot of, uh, have a lot of touch on the snow through those through all of that except for fishnet where you're just stomping on it so um, yeah I mean that's where we talked about a little bit earlier about not being too aggressive at Lake Louise with your line and with your approach you can you know, almost back off a little bit there and, and just kind of let things happen and, and just don't get in the way of it yeah Marco hey, I got a lot, go for question it. to ask the AJ there um I mean you're you're unbelievably fast in the flats and gliding and what was the kind of like uh just train of thought that you brought you know to your racing to be quick i mean what you just explained there about pumping like train and, and using your legs a lot i think is really important but i think it'd be cool for all of us to hear you know your number one kind of uh you know focus in, in uh big you know gliding turns with with terrain yeah it was just a feel thing you know i tried to limit the amount of pressure i was putting into the edge of my downhill ski you know, the more pressure you put in, the deeper the ski digs into the snow. And I mean, we're talking about, you know, millifractions here, but I mean, it all makes a difference. It all adds up at the end. And, and, you know, it's finding the flat ski and letting the skis. I mean, you talk, you hear a lot of people talk about letting them swim, right? Well, I don't know about letting them swim like this, because that gets a little dangerous, but I definitely, um, you know, felt the, the snow through my, through my feet. And that was really key for me and, and, and gliding and just letting everything kind of just letting everything go. I mean, I, I really think that, you know, it's a gravity sport and you got to let gravity do its job and, and just don't get in the way of it. The gravity man, master, uh, Marco Sullivan talk about, I would just remember I ran Lake Louise in 1981 as a Canadian nationals. And it was, <laughs> I was 17. I came off a gun barrel and I think I was crying as in tears we're streaming because it was so fast. Describe exiting gun barrel with that kind of speed. And what does it feel like to carry that much speed and, and try to keep that speed, Marco? That, that is the fastest section of the course there coming off the steep. I think the, you hit about 135K uh, an hour, um, which is moving, you know? <laughs> That's like you, yeah, you're feeling, feeling, feeling wind in your face i think remember one year actually when i was third here um my was going so fast right there my helmet was like going back on my head and you can see in the video i'm in my tuck and i like reach up and pull my helmet down 
and you know it's and it's it's fast so yeah but you uh, never buckled your helmet dude it was always like loose, stopping and <laughs> he, had the, like, he had the gaper guy would have to be reminded by our by our you know start guy to you know cinch the helmet down a little bit if he's so loose and <laughs> you actually lost your helmet in Valdezera once too that, that was in Bengen once I crashed my helmet was came off and was bouncing down the hill no, that was that was Air. Doctor was stitching you up in the backside, like <laughs> La Becca, because that was a big crash at the bottom. But yeah, yeah but I, I want to know, like you know, the same thing that AJ said about the like, touch and feel, and like you know, just letting the kind of like ankles move. Marco, like, um, I mean, you were the fastest one out of all of us there, and and obviously you know had incredible gliding, you know, skills with touch. But what was your train of thought? Like AJ was like. Uh, you know, commenting on. Um, if you guys can still hear me, I just go, yeah, okay. Um, the, uh, it's really similar to what AJ was saying with the flow and the, you know, gravity is trying to pull you down the hill. So trying to not get in the way of that and being really balanced on both skis. So you're kind of even pressure. You're not digging in those edges and pretty much pulling off a line where you're going as straight as you can, but and but uh with the least pressure possible to maintain those turns and you're not a lot of more aggressive skiers get on track like lake louise and they're kind of going gate to gate and really jamming the edges a bit but if you can take that flow all the way through and and uh for me it was a lot about being balanced evenly on both skis and kind of just looking way down the track actually looking way ahead and trying to link sections in like you know four four five six gates like how am i going to ski this section without throwing any snow you know not just going gate to gate um and lake louise is a great example of that where like we've been saying you got to keep that speed going from start to finish and of one mistake it's really hard to to get the speed back because there's only really three steep parts on the whole track and uh yeah, if you blow it, you're, that gravity has a hard time getting you back up to speed. That's a great, great thing about edging, right? I just remember early U.S. ski team camps. Let's try to ski with the least edge possible, edge or brakes, right? So we would just try to really feather and really learn how much edge you needed to turn a certain uh, radius. So <clears throat> all good stuff that you can practice as a 14, 15, 16-year-old. Least edge, the better breaks or edges. All right, I'm going to bring it into the danger factor. We talked about this is a great one to start. It's a little bit easier, but this has been a, a downhill that has taken out a lot of people. Loren Ross, TJ Lanning, I think John Kuchera from Canada. What is it about this course that can also put people in the hospital and end their careers potentially? Anybody want to take this? I think that, um, you know, I've, I've seen this course a lot on TV, covering it for NBC for 15, 20 years. So I think a bit of it is lack of focus, right? This course, it's really easy to let this course kind of lull you into not focusing as much as you would at maybe a more challenging and risky course like a Bormio or a Kitzbühel or, or Garmisch. And so maybe that little lack of focus. But the other part of it is, is just the change of rhythm from, from most of the course, especially the upper section where you're flowing right? And the snow is nice and grippy into fishnet where shoot, all of a sudden it's bumpy and icy and either a ski pops off or you're super surprised and you take too direct of a line. I mean, I, you see a lot of that where, where people get in real trouble in fishnet. 
Absolutely. Right, that, yeah. Go section, for it. Sorry, the, that fishnet section, it just catches you off guard. And you know, we saw uh, three years ago, Manny Osborne Paradis, you know, he's won this race before he ended his career in fishnet. You know, you go in there and all of a sudden it's bumpy and icy. And, and that's where you see most of the crashes happen, fishnet into fall away, sea turn. We had a forerunner yesterday, packed the A-net on sea turn. <laughs> you know, it's just, it, there is consequences in downhill. And this course is not an exception for sure. Focus. Um, yeah. oh, another place that stands out to me, like Louise at the top, really deep. You know, when AJ was talking about like using those legs and really pumping those legs and good aerodynamics and gliding, I mean, there's some speed up there, you know, and there's a lot of like uh, terrain. And uh, that's, that is like my biggest memory on the, on the top is just really trying to work speed stay in a good aero position but then like you guys are talking about being really settled on the skis but I, I mean all the way up until a super g start i mean it's it picks up speed and it gets going up there and then you kind of link in where the super g start is and then i think the same thing with these guys are saying like everybody kind of comes in like you know not completely 100 percent focused and you're not giving it full respect and that's when things happen you know like mark was saying like it's a world cup hill it's still demanding. There's a lot of speed and terrain there. You make one little mistake and it's going to bite you back quick. I would argue this race is actually won and lost in that section between the Super G start and the fishnet turn. It's called Wee Waxy okay. Flats. And mm -hmm. you look at the split times of guys who have been on the podium in this race, they're always fast in that section and that speed just builds down all the way. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can win it there, but you can certainly lose it very easily on fall away and on the flats at the bottom. All right, we're about uh, 30 minutes in. I want to start to wrap this up. Um, when AJ and I were uh, racing, our first World Cup was at Val d'Isere. So we spent Thanksgiving in Europe trying to find a turkey. That's a whole nother podcast. Marco and Darren, talk about Thanksgiving in Lake Louise. What goes on with the American team? Every once in a while, they uh, cook us a turkey or something if it's a good year. But, <laughs> you know, we've, I've spent the last, uh, almost, well, when I was racing, about 15 years of Thanksgivings here in Lake Louise. And usually it's just a buffet. Sometimes, uh, you know, they, like I said, they would acknowledge us and give us a separate room and a turkey. That was few and far between. But you have the camaraderie of your teammates and you know, your family's not here, but it's you got your other, your, your family from the road. And it's still a good time, even though you're away from, from home. Yeah, it's tough that time of year, but um, I remember having nice turkey feeds there. You know, they did something special for us, for the Americans, which is really cool. And, uh, you know, had all the fixings with the turkey. So it, we kind of like, you know, just had a good good gathering with amongst team and like your teammates, your coaches, your service guys, you are a family, you know, you're on the road the whole season. So it's nice to kind of just you know, be able to drop back into some like just normalcy and not just be, you know, feeling like you're traveling on a bag and, and uh, hotel to hotel. But Chateau Lake Louise is a nice spot to, to kick back at. And um, I remember you even skating out there, like the lake, just like not a flake of snow on it on some, you know, dry, cold years, but you could skate the lake like end to end and playing hockey. And it's all lit up, you know, with like Christmas lights. I'm sure if you look at Marco's window, he's got a good view, but um yeah just it, it was definitely a, a place to you know to enjoy for sure before the, you know why you're racing but figure out how you're gonna stay warm up there too you know <laughs> usually it's really cold up there in lake louise up in canada <laughs> yeah bring the duct tape for your face that's a good point with the uh, 
yeah, this it's the opening World Cup speed race, and it's also everyone, the whole entire race stays at the Chateau Lake Louise, um, and so it's almost like a reunion each year where it's pretty unique for all the teams to stay in one place, and it is a really kind of majestic, beautiful place on this on the lake, and uh, it's just a good spot to to reunite everyone's eating buffet dinners together the whole World Cup. And uh, it's, it really is the kickoff of the season in that sense. All right. So who will win? Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about some facts while you guys try to figure out your top three. I have mine written right here. But who's going to win? The Austrians have won it seven times, and all the greats have won it here. Herbin Meyer, Eberharder, Volkhofer, uh, Strobel, and Franz. So the Austrians have won it the most we can talk about why that is, maybe. Norwegians have won it four times, including Svindal and Jansrud. The Swiss, four times as well, including Foitz and Didier Kusch a long time ago, and a couple of Italians, a couple of great uh, uh, flow Italians, Peter Phil and uh, Dominique Paris. So, and uh, Bodie Miller, let's mention Bodie Miller. Bodie Miller was one, uh, I think, the only American, you can correct me if I'm wrong, to win the downhill up there. So a lot of Austrians, Norwegian, Swiss, not a lot of Americans. Uh, over the last year, it's been Dressen, Paris, Janka in the last time, two years ago. And then before that, it was Franz, Innerhofer, and Paris. So looking a little bit of the uh, training run yesterday, which is the first one, as we said, doesn't mean a whole lot. I'm going to go with the Austrians. So I, my top three, I hate to say it, I'm American downhiller, but I'm going to go Meyer, Kriegmeier, and Streetinger. So I'm going to go all Austrian sweep. I hate to say it, but I'm just going to stick it out there. Does anybody else want to put their three out there and tell me why? That's painful seeing all those Austrians on your card there. <laughs> I know. I'm mad at myself. <laughs> I'll say, oh. I think the Americans are actually on track right now, skiing really fast. And uh, Travis Ganong was third yesterday in training. He said he felt like he was going slow. So he's got a lot more in the tank. Um, RCS is skiing really well. Uh, and I, I think my top three, I'm gonna go with the big guy, uh, Dominic Paris. He's rolling, he's, all, he's a gamer, game day guy. So I'll go Dominic, Ganong, RCS. Keep oh, nice. I like that a little better. Red, white, and blue right there. All right, who's next? I'll jump in real quick. I mean, you know, I, I always am going to want to root for the Americans, number one. But, you know, it's hard to it's hard to count out Foyts, especially when, you know, he trains like he did yesterday, just kind of in the back and quiet, kind of attack from the back, uh, show up on race day kind of a guy. And, and Paris is the same way. So both of those guys, I think you got you to keep on the radar screen. Um, I would really love to see uh, RCS, uh, you know, make this uh, the comeback story. But, you know, Steven is, is definitely a guy that I, that I think, you know, if he's feeling good, this is a perfect way for him to jump into this season. Um, you know, it's not that tough of a hill. He's done it. He's run this place a million times. So um, I'm, I'm rooting for those guys. Uh, and we know Nyman is feeling good. And that guy with fast skis is unbeatable on the flats. D, D money. Oh, I mean, like you said, this is tough. I mean, there's a, there's 10 guys that could be on the podium, you know, and, and I'm going to, you know, be a true American downhiller and root for the U S boys. And I, I really feel like RCS has kind of a step up on everybody else on our team. I mean, 
you know, he switched over to head. He's got Heinz in his corner, who is Lindsey Vaughn's tech that knows Lake Louise in and out. You know, so he's going to be bringing some freaking rocket ships there. The kid's skiing well. He was fast in copper. Um, I'm going to go with the Norwegian Kilday also on the podium. And, uh, I mean, it's hard to bet against the Austrians. So, uh, I mean, it's basically Kriegmeier or Matthias Meyer. So those two guys, but. Yeah, I just, I, I'd love to see, you know, the season kick off. Like we all would, you know, I mean, you're trying to be re realistic, Louie, I know that, <laughs> but, but um, you know, at least AJ, Mark and I are pulling for some Americans here. <laughs> I have, <laughs> always. I have, I have Ganong, Nyman, RCS is four, five, six. So yeah, I like to put the uh, Ganong, Nyman, RCS, you know, all the boys in there and, and um, you know, and Jared Goldberg actually is Goldie mm -hmm. was fast in training yesterday, coming, and he's been, I think, pretty fast in copper as well. Yeah, Goldie too. I mean, he's just, you know, That's just good to see. Gosh, I want to see all these guys do well, and, and um, maybe a five-way tie for Americans. <laughs> so you have RCS Kilday and who? I'll go Creek Meyer. Okay, Creek. Um, last question before we sign off. Uh, it's been great. We're talking about Lake Louise. We have AJ, D-Money, and Sully. Let's break down RCS just a little bit. I think he's kind of like a he's, – he's all of us, right? He's grounded. He's that strong-minded AJ Kit. He's the um, aggressive, unafraid Darren Rawls. He, is, he has the feel of Sully. He has the technical ability that I thought I had. So he's like everything – I think he, you know, we're, we're waiting for that American downhiller to win the downhill globe. He has all the pieces to me. Not that the other guys don't, but wow. Talk about RCS if you want to a little bit. I think he has it all. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I was really, really excited about his season last year, you know, before, you know, kids really had such great success and in Bormio. And, and I always say, if you, if you can ski fast in Bormio, you got to look out for that guy in Kidspiel because those, those are, so similar those two the approach to those two courses and so but I agree with you I mean you can do it on the easy courses I mean you know Darren being a guy that that won in Kitzbühel struggled at places like Lake Louise and frankly I think you're right Louie I think I think RCS can do it in both uh, both styles of, of course so um, and you know and, and very much like Marco having being able to have success in a place like Vengen so yeah I mean the guy's a complete package but you know that one other intangible piece of the package is just can you can you pull it off I mean can you pull it off when it matters. Can you, can you approach the sport? Like it does matter. I mean, you know, Bodie, Bodie had that, that whole package too, except for, unfortunately, I don't, I just don't think he really either, either. I mean, I know he believed it, but, but it was just like pulling it off and, and, and winning that, winning that title was just elusive for some reason. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's definitely our best, best hope for it right now. Yeah. I think RCS has an amazing, touch on the snow for sure it's fun to watch him ski and he showed in Bormio last year that he's he can pull it off on game day and uh, the only block to me for him is you know after he won in Bormio you saw him start taking an extra element of risk um, where he knew he was so confident in skiing he started taking a line that was really hard to pull off and that bit him in Kitzbühel where he crashed and ultimately like ended his season so if he can just rein it in a little bit and ski within himself, I think he does have what it takes to be right in there on, on all these tracks for sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, just finish up pretty much uh, backing up what you said, Lou. I mean, he's got the complete package. 
He's got great touch. He's really strong. He's just uh, really grounded and, and um, you know, he seems to be just just laid back and confident, you know, but, he, but when it comes down to racing, he's he's going. And um, like Marco said, he was taking a lot of like uh, risk online, but I think you got to do that to try and know, you know, what you can get away with. And then maybe, you know, he's still learning. He's still kind of new to the downhill scene, just what he can get away with. And but the kids got some speed and I rode the chair with him in copper with Heinz, you know, and they're a good team. They're, they're gelling. And, uh, you know, just number one, I want to see American downhill on top. And, but I think that, you know, he has probably the, the best shot, but um, yeah, you never know. Nice. It's racing. <laughs> You never know. Uh, and Nyman, uh, Ganong, even Bennett, man, can switch it around. So a lot of great, great uh, outlook for our American downhiller. So thanks, AJ. Thanks, Darren. Thanks, Tully. How to watch. Well, you can watch Lake Louise on NBC, Peacock. If you're in Canada, you can certainly watch it on Canadian TV. Next week, we'll be talking about Beaver Creek, the Birds of Prey course, a course that our own D-Money, Darren Rawls, owns the record on. He's the fastest human on the planet to get from the starting gate to the Red Dale finish line on two skis. Thank you, AJ. Thank you, D, uh, D, and thank you, Sully. We'll see you next week. Have a great week. See you guys. Thanks.